Welcome back to Season 2 of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic Science Podcast, where we look forward to the new synthesis in the new millennium between faith, philosophy, and science. This is Episode 82 of That's So Second Millennium. We're continuing our interview with Society of Catholic Scientists board member Jonathan Lunin. Today, we're presenting the part of our interview where we discuss extraterrestrial life, primarily within the solar system, and in that context, our obligation to protect such life if it happens to be there as we look for it. A challenge that, fortunately, people have already seen and have started to take measures to ensure extraterrestrial biosecurity. So with that, uh, we'll continue with the interview. Yeah, of course, we can't, uh, we can't uh, try to bring the subject up without talking at least a little bit about the question of life. And that was um, and, uh, <clears throat> from the perspective of someone as a practicing planetary scientist. And of course, you're involved in the, um, the sort of scoping. I mean, planetary science, as I understand it, has a very formal sort of decade old. This is what we want to study in the next decade. We should, you know, the funding agencies should target these areas. Could you talk just for a moment about that? Sure. So the way I typically get asked this question is, do you believe there's life beyond the earth or do you believe in aliens? Something like that. Usually the word believe comes in there. And I, you know, when it comes to a question like that, there either is or is not extraterrestrial life beyond the earth and say self-aware, intelligent extraterrestrial life. Uh, it's not a question of, of belief. It's a question of, you know, being able to actually find it or detect it. Um, do I think it's plausible? I think it's plausible. Um, I think that um, given um, the fact that planets are extremely common in the cosmos, yeah. it is plausible that at least microbial life exists in many places in the universe, and in particular in our galaxy of 200 billion stars, probably in many places. Um, life began on the Earth in the geologic record not too long after liquid water became stable and the impact rates of you know, fragments of, of uh, planet formation, the leftovers of planet formation were kind of swept up by the planet, so the impact rates went down. Life begins to show up in the geologic record pretty soon after that. But it takes billions of years for complex life for multicellular, differentiated animal and plant life to show up in the geologic record. In fact, it's only in the last 10% of the history of the Earth that we see animals. And why is that? You know, what took so long? Um, Are we, you know, was the evolutionary process on the Earth based on our biochemistry um, unfavorable? Um, was the Earth's climate history unfavorable, or are we precocious? Does it typically take 10 billion years for right. complex life? to? If we could answer that question, we could begin to get a handle on what the frequency of advanced, even self-aware sentient life might be. And given the fact that we don't have any way of knowing that for any other body other than the Earth, we can't answer that question today. Yeah. And I try to emphasize that, and it frustrates people immensely because yes. <laughs> you know they want a, a they want a, a planetary scientist to tell them that there are Vulcans out there, absolutely, right. <laughs> and I just can't do that. Exactly. Now, one of the one of the areas of my own research is um, to 
plan missions to um, so-called ocean worlds in our own solar system. These are moons that mm-hmm. have oceans of liquid water beneath their surfaces, Europa, mm-hmm. Enceladus, Titan, others, um, to find ways to look for microbial life. And the best uh, case for that can be made at Saturn's moon Enceladus, which is the one with the plume of ice and water vapor pouring out of the South Pole. Um, you can fly through the plume. Cassini did that multiple times, analyze it. Uh, with the right instruments, you might be able to detect the signposts of biology. So that would be microbial biology. And if those, you know, if we can get there again, do those experiments, detect microbial life, the next step would be much more difficult to try to collect it and understand, you know, what its biochemistry is. Is it like terrestrial life? Obviously based on water, but, you know, is it a different set of amino acids? Uh, like acid bases is it is it dna and rna or is it something else you know a lot of questions like that um that would tell us the range of chemical uh solutions to the 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 problem of of life forming and you know from a religious point of view i have no problem with this god um created a wonderful structures and and self-organizing systems and that includes life and so the superabundance of god's creation surely can include other forms of life elsewhere um the question of course um a different question arises if we were to find a intelligent self-aware conscious uh life form on another planet that we could communicate with um that effectively would have a soul. Um, and then we get into the questions that, um, you know, of, of, you know, what if they're fallen or not fallen questions that were wonderfully uh, dealt with in detail by Marie George in her uh, recent book, Christianity and Extraterrestrials, which mm. if anyone's interested in that, I certainly recommend um, mm. reading. Um, but from the point of view of, um, you know, the likelihood of that kind of advanced life, because it took so long for life, to become advanced and sentient and self-aware on our Earth. In fact, um, even though we're only halfway through the main sequence lifetime of the sun, our star, um, we're actually most of the way through the habitable period for the Earth because as the sun ages, it gets brighter, becomes more luminous, and eventually, long before the sun becomes a red giant, it will drive uh, all the water off of the Earth. So... We might be 80 or 90% of the way through the, the habitable lifetime of our planet. And, oh, wow, that close. And that, you know, then really, I think, raises a big question mark about how easy is it for uh, life starting on another body to evolve to the point that we're at today? Yeah, mm. yeah. It is, it is all a question of odds it comes down to. There's an insanely yep. large number of stars and therefore planets in the universe. We're pretty sure of that now, but... Yep, and I apologize for this pun, but as a planetary scientist, I don't want to be the wizard of odds. I want to actually go, <laughs> you know, study other yeah. life forms, at least within our own solar system. Yeah, yeah. yeah You're also, re- sorry, Glenn. I was just going to say, there's so little with which to cast the odds at this point. Yes, it's, that's right. It's almost a pointless exercise. You're Pretty also soon. reminding me, Dr. Lenin, of uh, one of the other talks at the Society of Catholic Scientists conference at Notre Dame uh, recently, where um, uh, one of the speakers talked about uh, 
the um, uh, man-made brain organoids that yeah, are being right and and uh, because they have the potential or uh, they're, they're designed to be close to the qualities of of uh, human uh, brains and indeed uh, therefore human minds uh, at some point uh, one has to ponder when do our responsibilities towards such forms of life and uh, such forms of human qualities uh, uh, do they grow to the point where we we owe a special uh, sense of responsibility or a special viewpoint to them and does that same kind of question arise in uh, dealing with uh, the prospect of finding quote intelligent human-like humanoid life on on other planets and what would be our responsibilities to them yeah well first of all let me say that i thought that our uh, conference this year at, at Notre Dame was um, really an outstanding conference. We had great speakers. The Society of Catholic Scientists organizes a, a conference every year in a different venue, and I thought this was incredibly thought-provoking and stimulating. So yeah. uh, thanks to all those speakers, if any of them are listening to this. Um, the Organoids talk uh, shocked me. I did not know about this. Uh, it was followed about two months later by um, an issue of Science Magazine in which this was discussed for um, you know, neural tissue, and I think the yeah. ethical issues are deeply, deeply troubling um, yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, with respect to your question specifically, um, I actually think there's a more um, immediate question that we have to ask, which is as we explore the planets of our own solar system and their moons and we look for life and we begin to um, investigate potentially habitable environments environments where life could exist i think we have an ethical obligation to do everything we possibly can to not destroy those environments it would be the greatest tragedy for example uh, and i'm talking even about microbial life um, mm -hmm. be the greatest tragedy if we were to explore Enceladus in such a way that we inadvertently introduce bacterial microbes into mm. this ocean and they took over and wiped out the native microbes. Um, it would not only rob us of the opportunity to study uh, the native microbes and learn something about life that had an independent origin, but it's making God's creation less abundant, uh, less diverse. And, you know, it's, it's robbing that creation of something that um, was there that humankind um, basically took away. So the question of what's called planetary protection and not, um, not going and wiping out other ecosystems uh, is a really profound one. We often think of this in the reverse sense that, well, if we bring a rock back from Mars, is it going to have superbugs that will destroy all of us. Um, yes, you have to worry about that, but the likelihood um, that, you know, a bug would be closely enough related to our biochemistry that it could have such an effect is really quite small. Mm -hmm. But we could introduce bugs from our own um, uh, uh, biosphere that, um, you know, could have a deleterious effect. So I think that's the immediate question because we have the capability to explore 
within our own solar system, these worlds, and we have the capability to contaminate them. If you enjoyed this episode, or it made you think, come on over to That's So Second Millennium's Facebook page and leave a comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you.